Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. In this episode, we're heading to Norway, famous for many things, but one of them is being the leader in the European electric vehicle market at least in terms of electric vehicles per person and percentage of car sales that are electric. Some might say Norway is not typical. It's got generous tax incentives for electric vehicles. It's quite a wealthy country compared to some other European countries. But even though it's not typical, there's still plenty to learn from Norway's experience at the leading edge. Today, we're going to explore what we can learn from charging of electric vehicles in Norway. And to do so, I'm joined by two guests, my colleague Abhishek Sampat and Frederick Lima of Zaptec. Hello, Frederick. Hi there. Frederick, thanks for joining. You're Vice President uh, at Zaptec. Can you tell us in a nutshell what Zaptec does? Yeah, sure. First of all, uh, thanks thanks uh, very much for inviting me to this podcast. I'm very much looking forward to share my experiences from the Norwegian EV market. Um, and coming from Zaptec, we, we are developing EV charging stations for private homes and apartment buildings and workplaces. So in just a few years, we've been able to build up a a nice uh, company in Norway and uh, become the market leader for these private installations of of charging stations. Okay, and to give us an idea of scale, can you give us a feel of either how big Zaptec is or how many charging stations you're selling a year or some metric like that? Yeah, so we have about uh, 45,000 charging stations installed across uh, um, 15 markets. Uh, we are by far uh, strongest in the Nordic countries, so uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and, and Iceland. But we are also seeing some uh, very nice installations and uh, and systems being set up in in countries like Switzerland. Okay, thanks. We'll come back to you shortly, Frederick. Let's say hello to my second guest, uh, my Delta EE colleague Abhishek Sampat. Hello, Abhishek. Hi, John. Hi, Fred. Uh, great to be on the podcast again. Well, welcome back. Um, Abhishek, now, you've, uh, our electric vehicle teams carried out research about how people charge in different European countries, one of them being Norway. What's that research told you about the Norwegian market? Is it very similar to other European countries? Is it different? And how are people charging their cars in Norway? Uh, I, I, we've been doing customer research uh, across some of the key European markets for a few years. And what we have noticed is there is a shift uh, in Norway. Norway is the poster child of EV adoption at the moment. Uh, but we are seeing a shift where it's becoming almost a regular car. It's not an EV. It's not different anymore. It's a regular car. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of our Norwegian responders on our survey, uh, more than the average, so about 82% said they charge their cars at home primarily using a dedicated charger or a regular socket. Um, which is about 10% more than we got than the rest of Europe. So that's the highest amongst the European countries that you've looked Absolutely. at? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and there is, I think that there's a few reasons for that. I think one of them is the fact that um, there is space available at most of the adopters and most of the drivers' houses and homes today to do that. Uh, and it's convenient. And Norway is probably a step ahead in terms of adoption rate. So we're seeing we're seeing the transition from early adopter to mass market there. Okay, and the other eighteen percent, the usual mix of public, workplace, destination. 
Exactly. I mean, uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, from the other 18%, we're seeing about, well, 12% of that is using a public access charger near their home, so on street. Um, so so that's that's quite important. And obviously, the more adoption we see, the more types of customers and the more demographics of where they live will come in. And we'll probably see that number increase as a percentage. But overall, I think the number, the volume of charging uh, sessions will increase as well. Frederick, how does that match with your experience? Say, do two percent at home charging, uh, and then a public charging next. Is that, is that what you're seeing in the market? Yeah, it, it it's uh, it's definitely what I'm seeing, and it reflects the Norwegian EV uh, charging market. Um, most people in Norway have access to their own driveway or have have a private garage. And uh, mm. I think one thing that is really important also is uh, the uh, average Norwegian consumption of electricity. Uh, whereas uh, Norway, Norway is in in the absolute top of uh, of the range when it comes to uh, consumption, and um, the I think the average consumption per household in Norway is about uh, twenty thousand kilowatt hours, and compared to, for example, the UK, it's uh, it's uh, mm. probably three to four thousand uh, kilowatt yeah. hours. So we're we're pretty much uh, used to uh, consume electricity, and um, for us, it's uh, it's a natural thing to plug in the car uh, the car to to a wall box or a charging station. And I've heard Frederick in Norway that some um, some people plug their cars in to keep them warm, effectively. So because of the very cold temperatures in parts of the country, you get this sort of um, there's a socket there and uh, very slow trickle heating of, of the car. Has that been important yeah. to have that electric infrastructure there, or have people generally installed new infrastructure to charge their car? Well, it's been quite important, but uh, we've been trying to. Um, avoid uh, the the promotion of the the regular socket. Um, it's not been recommended by the local or the national authorities. Uh, it re represents a, a fire um, threat because uh, mm -hmm. these sockets are not uh, made for uh, for withstanding such a large amount of power over time. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely been important, and, and people are kind of using uh, whatever. Uh, accessible power they have. Uh, so if that's the charging station, they use that. If it's a, a socket, they use that. Um, so okay, so recommend probably some people are still doing that. Most people yeah, installing their own wall box and definitely we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, the service from uh, the Norwegian EV associations uh, over time that uh, people ha have been installing more and more charging stations and and. They're going away from the regular socket, so there's definitely an improvement in the population. Okay, and your company's uptake, you've been one of the suppliers of these these charging stations. Um, yeah. What? Tell us a bit about that charging station market and the the products and the technology. Have they evolved and developed over time? Have different models evolved for providing wall boxes? Yeah, there's been a lot of development since we came to the market and, and even prior to that. Um, from from day one, I, I would say that the, the charging station were just replacing the socket, but it was a safe replacement and it mm -hmm. could do up to 22 kilowatts. Um, but obviously pulling 22 kilowatts from your household is not something everyone can do, and especially not during peak hours, so during uh, dinner, dinner time or early mornings. Uh, so the, I would say the the, the um, biggest development in the 
charging stations is the connection to the um, fuse cabinet. So in Norway, we have uh, smart energy meters in all households. And uh, with our newest uh, charging stations and systems, we're able to connect to this fuse cabinet, uh, to yeah. the smart energy meter, and uh, do load balancing uh, based on the information okay. we get from this. Okay, so that avoids going over the, the power connection uh, for the, the building, and the car then yeah. ramps up and down according to the other demands in the home. Yeah, it varies uh, throughout the day based on the average or consumption in the house. So it will yep. uh, lower the, um, the power when you cook and it will increase the power uh, in the nighttime. And also oh. since we have um, uh, this uh, um, tariff system in Norway where you get the charge uh, by the hour, uh, we usually delay charging until uh, the cheapest hour, hours during nighttime. Okay, and is that built into the products that you and others are offering? Yeah. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. What's the user experience then? They come in, park their car, do they say when they'd like their car charged and then the charger decides exactly when it is charged according to the prices? Well, they don't have to do anything. They activate the, the eco mode and then it's ready the day after. And then we use uh, data in terms of, of uh, consumption in the house and, and also price on electricity. And we calculate what uh, or how much power is needed the day after and then charging is automatically started based on, on those parameters. Okay. Um, let's have a quick look at public charging. Um, Abhishek, you mentioned public charging was the the, net, the biggest part of that 18% that isn't home charging. But Abhishek, is that, still, is that still small compared to other countries or does Norway have roughly the same amount of public charging as other countries? Uh, other countries that we've surveyed, um, their, their answer came in at about 22% as an average uh, yeah. of, of customers who charge in public primarily. Um, but when we do look at just where do you charge in general, um, yeah. workplace, which I guess in some ways is public, uh, yeah. but also just pure public charging. So um, at a hub or at a destination, et cetera, they come in at roughly the same, the same percentage okay. number so i guess that's a, it's a factor of convenience as well and uh, yeah. there's definitely some some locations which are more convenient than others and are preferred yeah okay frederick what's your view on public charging is it is it a critical factor in norway because you've got i guess some dense towns but big distances between those towns is that where public charging is really coming into play yeah i think uh, along the highways the, the public charging is really important and to have uh, fast enough charging along those uh, corridors. Mm. So uh, with the new cars coming into the market with the 120 or 150 kilowatt uh, uh, charging rate, uh, it's really important to have those uh, uh, fast chargers available. But for the kind of average day-to-day uh, -day use, I don't see the, the fast chargers uh, necessary. Uh, it's for the, the holiday driving uh, during summer and, uh, and uh, Christmas. They are definitely uh, really important. So around the town where you live, around Stavanger, if people are if staying in that region, they charge at home. What's the need to charge publicly? Yeah, as long as you have access to your own driveway or a garage, you yeah. wouldn't uh, stop to charge. Then you would rather charge when you stop. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, Frederick, I have a question on that uh, on that topic. Um, having lived in an apartment block and uh, didn't have a 
dedicated space to park my EV. Uh, I did tend to use rapid chargers maybe once a week just to top it up and you know sometimes meditate for half an hour because that's actually quite pleasant. Um, do you see that as a use case in Norway that's uh, increasing with uh, with the adoption by people who maybe don't have their own space to park? Yeah, I think yeah, in uh, the biggest cities, so Bergen and uh, Oslo, it's um, that's definitely a use case. Um, but for other cities, we we would think that people would like to charge at the grocery store or at the shopping mall. Uh, if they depart for more than one hour, then it makes sense to uh, charge perhaps on, on 50 kilowatts or, or below. Uh, agreed. And that's that's something we've seen from our use case work as well, where uh, the grocery store or um, a, you know, a mall or somewhere where you are for an extended period of time, not not a 10-15 minute stop and go. Um, that's when a 50 kilowatt charger suits quite well uh, for a lot of people. Um, we looked at some we looked at some use cases where fast food um, locations had 50 or 150 kilowatt chargers, but it almost didn't make any sense to do that because yeah. you're there for such a short period of time, the expense yeah. involved in putting those chargers in the ground, it yeah, doesn't pay back. Yeah, I think it's really important to have the right type of charger uh, at the right place. So for a shopping mall, you would yeah. see um, 25 to 30 kilowatts uh, is the most uh, um, used charger, while at, mm -hmm. of course, the highway, then you need even more. Um, at the highway, yeah. it's not enough with 50 kilowatts in, in the future you need. Uh, at least 100 yep. kilowatts. Yep, so Frederick, uh, the, the, the charging around towns and shopping malls, uh, supermarkets, etc. What charges are you typically selling into those applications? What, what powers? So for now, uh, there's no real alternative to have uh, anything above uh, 22 on, on AC. So um, mm -hmm. I would say that in the future, we are looking towards uh, 25, 30 kilowatts DC charging stations for shopping malls. And so where people stay around one and a half hour to two and a half hours. Uh, yep. But then for public charging in streets, I would say um, seven kilowatts is more than enough because uh, you stay there overnight. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, Frederick, now one of the great things about being on the leading edge like Norway's been is that you're paving the way. Uh, the other way of looking at it is, is that you're on the bleeding edge and it can sometimes be a bit painful because you're learning the lessons yeah. first. Um, yeah. What what would you pick out as Keith lessons that Norway has learned or key things that haven't maybe gone as well as they could have? I think for fast charging, there's been a few uh, kind of uh, major issues. Uh, one is the, the payment. Um, and um, the ability to use the same RFID tag or charge tag wherever you go. Um, that's not been the case in Norway. Uh, we've seen different uh, charge point operators having their own um, masses of, of users and they're not allowing roaming in between. That's been a hassle for, for mass adoption. Yeah. Um, and also I would say that um, there's been some technical difficulties on fast charging stations uh, that's been a, one of the major complaints from from EV drivers that the the, the fast charger isn't working. There's some technical uh, issues with it. Okay, and what are there any particular technical issues that that have been occurring, or is it more a case of a lack of monitoring and ability to know that some things needs to be fixed? 
I think it's a combination of, of uh, many things. Uh, of course, it's uh, really early in the development of uh, fast chargers. Um, so uh, one must expect that there's some uh, issues in the, in the first years uh, in its infancy. And I think that will um, really uh, be important for, for other European markets to look at Norway, uh, see mm. what has been done and uh, what kind of charging stations has been used. How are they used? Uh, of course, in, in Norway, there's a rough climate. It's uh, there's a lot of rain, there's a lot of snow, it's cold, and mm. the, the temperature is, is changing quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. So part of that is just product development in testing conditions and learning yeah. to make that a robust product. The maintenance, uh, well, the monitoring and ability to for a charge point operator to know that there's a problem and fix it, is that working well in Norway, or is that something that's still being developed? Well, I think the, the CPOs has a high focus on, on good customer service, uh, but of mm -hmm. course it's difficult to have or to know how many people you need to have available at your customer support at all times. So uh, there's been some complaints that they're not able to get hold of the customer support while yeah. uh, trying to charge. Um, yeah. But of course it's, it's difficult in the first couple of years and you don't have the experience with it, you don't know um, um, the kind of the usage of the charging stations. Yeah, yeah. So are those two that, I guess, the reliability and then the ability to uh, provide that customer service, would you say they're fixed now in Norway and sorted or almost sort of everything is going the right direction and then it's being sorted? Uh, yeah, definitely going the right direction and there's, uh, there's a lot of development and focus on this these days. Mm. Uh, there's, um, there's investments from uh, a lot of different companies into the Norwegian market and we've seen uh, more and more players enter. So last with uh, with um, uh, Startkraft, which is a Norwegian-owned uh, company uh, investing in the old uh, CPO called uh, Grønkontakt, which is now being uh, called Mer in Norway. Uh, they're investing quite a lot and also with the likes of Ionity and other uh, local utilities entering the fast charging scene. There's some more competition, which is uh, good for the EV drivers. Okay, and I guess with the ever-increasing adoption of EVs, the, the business case becomes easier, the utilization of the charging stations goes up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, uh, you mentioned a lack of interoperability and uh, the roaming challenges. So putting myself in a Norwegian driver's shoes, there must be quite a lot of frustration that you can't, you know, you have, you can't just use any public charging station. You have to be a member of a certain network. And then yeah. when, you, when you get your charge point, it might not be working or well, the customer service hasn't always been what it, it could be. So yeah. how has that played out? Is that, because uh, we see Norway as a sort of country where everyone's enthusiastic about electric vehicles. Has the user experience been good enough or have there been horror stories or has there been a bit of a backlash against when things don't, don't go right? <laughs> I think there's been quite a lot of horror stories. Um, I, one example is uh, my father-in-law. Yeah, he usually calls me when he's uh, entering the, the fast charging station and then asks me to start the, the charging station. Because there are so many apps and it, there are so many different RFID tags you can have uh, yeah. and if they don't talk together and, and there's no roaming, it's really difficult for, for most people to know what kind of app to use and, and um, they, they don't want to spend time on the payment 
um, of, of the charting. And is that, uh, are there solutions coming up there? Is there initiatives to, to get more interoperability and better roaming? Or is it difficult because people that have invested in the networks want their return? They don't want to, you know, that and that collaboration is proving hard to, hard to get going. Yeah, I think uh, most of the CPOs are now being forced to have uh, contactless payment installed on the charging station, uh, replace all the equipment, and also I think um, to accept roaming and uh, not uh, uh, protect your own uh, user base uh, too much. Uh, yeah. I think it's really important for the mass adoption to have roaming across the different uh, CPOs and also the, the contactless payment. Yeah. Abhishek, how does yeah, that compare to other countries? Because I guess UK is not great for roaming. Germany's probably got more interoperability. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, you know Germany, France, Netherlands, Belgium, that sort of region. Uh, there's much better roaming access there. Uh, the UK has not been the best at accepting roaming. Although now there are there are murmurs from government and legislators that they will force that to an extent where possible. Um, I'm, gra I'm glad you mentioned the contactless aspect because um, I think that's quite important for giving customers choice. So you don't even necessarily need to be part of a roaming agreement. If you turn up somewhere, you can still pay. You might pay more than you would if you remember, but then it's still an option. That, that means it's frictionless to an extent. Um, and that's actually something that came out from our work as well, that uh, Norway had the highest amount of customers paying with contactless compared to a monthly fixed fee or, a, you know, monthly bill based on usage it was a pay-as-you-go um, which i think is quite important for adoption as fred said uh, it's just the convenience factor that's important yeah do you see more pay-as-you-go frederick in norway uh yeah but not in in uh, in the speed i would uh, would uh, think um yeah most of the cpos are asking their customers to download an app and send up to an agreement. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess that will play out over time. Um, yeah, hopefully. Frederick, looking forwards in Norway, um, we've touched on this a bit, but where would you say Norway would be in, in a few years' time, three to five years' time? What would have changed? What would be different? Uh, what things is your company and others working on that will be coming to market? I don't think a lot will change. I think we'll just uh, improve um, mm -hmm. and uh, continue on the strong development we have set out. I think uh, uh, more Norwegian homes are being now equipped with uh, with uh, charging facilities or charging infrastructure. So it's, it's going to allow people to uh, drive electric uh, since there's... Um, an EV charger at home, um, all ready for for you to plug in. So I think uh, Noe is now in a really good uh, on a really good path. I think um, we are uh, really good prepared for the uh, mass adoption of electric cars. But of course, we have uh, some uh, challenges with when it comes to the fast charging network, which is mm. um, not as good as uh, other European countries. Yeah. Okay. So you've learned you've. You've had some of the pain. You've had a lot of success. You've had some of the pain, as you've highlighted. You've learned a lot of lessons, and now you're in a good place to push forward. Well, just a quick question on multifamily housing and apartment blocks. Uh, we're seeing that as quite an interesting segment across a number of European countries. Is that an important sector 
in Norway and has that developed alongside other segments of the market or is that one that's going to come more in the next years? I think it's a really interesting topic and it's uh, what we at Saptic has been working uh, the most with uh, the last uh, couple of years. And I remember back in, in 2016, the multifamily homes usually had just a few charging stations. It was not scalable. Uh, they only had the ability to have, let's say, 10 out of uh, 100 parking places equipped. Uh, but um, but then in the later years, we've seen that the, the multifamily homes are actually preparing all parking base for electric cars. They're seeing into the future. They, they know that uh, in, just in a few years time, everyone will have an electric car. And yeah. then it's really important to have this uh, parking place enabled. And are they typically paying upfront? Is that a capex model where they're they're realizing, okay, we just it's an investment we need to make, or are there other models emerging? There's been uh, different models in in Norway, and um, both the capex and opex has been uh, available in the market. And I think today it's a it's a freedom of choice. Uh, the um, the facility manager or owners of the multifamily homes are are able to do both and, and get prices on both and then they can uh, uh, make a choice uh, which is, um, is is working for everyone uh, in their association okay interesting okay uh, well let's let's get the talking new energy crystal ball out now and um, I'm going to set the dial to um, 2025 I think looking for the next few years and let's look outside Norway. Uh, Frederick, your your company I know is selling, you've mentioned at the beginning, uh, selling products into to multiple European countries. Now, when we look at the market, we see Germany in a way as the new Norway, uh, but uh, in terms of standing out as EV adoption and charge point adoption, not replacing Norway, but another standout country. And then a group of countries following that, UK, Netherlands, France, probably the three that are closest behind. Roderick, what and Abhishek, what other countries do you think will be driving growth beyond these countries? So if we look beyond Norway, Germany, UK, Netherlands, France, which ones stand out to you as particularly interesting or, or active markets for, for EV adoption and growth in EV charging? Um, Frederick, let, let's start with you and then go to you, Abhishek. Yeah, I think uh, the, the countries you're mentioning will absolutely be uh, the largest in terms of absolute numbers. But I think in Europe, there's a number of interesting countries and we've seen um, Switzerland as, a, as really uh, interesting. There's a lot going on um, and also uh, more um, or bigger markets like uh, Poland will, uh, will uh, rise in the coming years. Uh, today, there's very few electric cars in Poland, but we're definitely seeing strong interest and um, with good tax incentives we we really believe that there's going to be a big market and uh, I would say outside Europe of course the US is really uh, interesting there's a lot going on um, in the political scene as well which can kind of shift the, the focus over to electric cars yeah you just can't ignore it for the sheer size of the market I guess as well um, yeah. Abhishek how about you um, I'm I'm with Frederick on uh, Poland. I think it's a very interesting interesting market, um, especially as they have their own uh, development currently for vehicles as well for making their own mm. EVs. They understand their customers. It's a very price sensitive marketplace, um, and EVs are 
known factually to reduce your driving costs. So that's quite a key seller for a lot of these markets. Uh, other than that, I'd say uh, Spain and Italy, I think, are uh, maturing very quickly and blossoming. And I'd include Portugal in that list as well uh, in terms of uh, adoption as they're also quite good. They're also fairly well-sized markets. Um, yeah. And there are there are manufacturers of vehicles in those markets as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there'll be an obvious push uh, to follow the same as the rest of uh, the EU. So I think they're quite key as well. So Western Europe, I think, will follow very quickly, but com countries like Poland, very interesting. Okay, well, plenty to keep companies like your, like Zaptec busy, I guess, Frederick. Absolutely. I think yeah, it's going to be a few interesting years ahead and uh, we're really looking forward to enter more European markets and uh, within just a few months, we will also launch our uh, UK office and then really establish a business over there. Okay, well, um, you'll bring lots of valuable lessons to other countries from what you've learned in Norway, I guess. So, um, Frederick, thanks for, very much for sharing your experiences and insights from the Norwegian market. Um, not everything's 100% replicable to other countries, but uh, many, many things are. So, really valuable insights. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for joining. Abhishek, thanks for, for joining again. Thanks for, for sharing highlights of our, our research and your, your expertise. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, John. No, no problem. Uh, thanks for everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed our little virtual trip to Norway. And if you're involved in the electric vehicle industry or EV charging sector in any way, then good luck in the next years. They'll be very busy and very exciting. Thanks very much, everyone, and look forward to welcoming listeners back to the episode next week. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcasts and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.